We are living in the age of acronyms. And uh, you, you probably use some of these acronyms. LOL uh, is uh, laugh out loud. Uh, a lot of people use that all the time. FYI is for your information. BTW is a uh, music group from Korea. No, it's not. It's, uh, by the way, uh, ASAP, ASAP, as soon as possible, uh, I-C-Y-M-I, in case you missed it. Uh, but I want to talk about this idea for a few moments, this uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. In this age of uh, social media, really, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you, you are involved in, how many of you know it? It just becomes easy to compare our daily boring life with somebody else's highlight reel, right? And let's let's face it, no nobody nobody posts a bad hair day on social media. Uh, nobody nobody uh, posts uh, things that aren't really making it look like their life is shining. And and all of us are are posting our highlight reels. That's what everybody does. You take five pictures, you take 10 pictures, you pick one where you think you look good, uh, you crop it, you put a filter on it, and oh yeah, just taking it easy today. But you put a lot of work into it, and everybody does that. It's just kind of what people do. Uh, and uh, I want to take a few moments today and talk about something that I think uh, is epidemic in our world but, uh, and I think it's something that we all can struggle with at points in our life. I, I want to talk about the comparison trap, the comparison trap. Um, I'm still in Psalms to live by, and uh, I want to read this psalm, which has really uh, a couple verses in Psalm 16 that have really spoken to my heart over the years and helps me as I'm battling through the comparison trap myself. Psalm 16, verse 5 says, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines that you have drawn for me have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful. It's, it's a place to stand uh, in faith and an understanding that God is a good God, and he's for you to recognize that the lines that have fallen from me have fallen in pleasant places. In other words, somehow shifting ourselves to understand I can be grateful for the life God's given me. I can learn from other people uh, but the truth is, I think God wants you and I to love our life, not love theirs. And, uh, and this idea where it says, you support my lot, this word in Hebrew could have been translated, you support my allotted portion. And it's always helpful to me to know that God is watching out 
for my lot in life, that God is watching out for your allotted portion. And nobody can take away from you what God has given you. And God is, you know, I think when you get to that place, and this is where I want all of us to walk out of this room with a sense of confidence that when God is guarding the boundary lines of my life, I'm in a great place. Uh, I, I, can, I, I, can, I can rest in the goodness of God. I can rest in the grace of God. I can rest in the allotted portion that he's given to me. And, um, and also, I guess in this passage is this idea where he says, the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. He is my cup. And I just want to say this, and I think you'll find this to be true. Uh, as you journey through life, money is not going to satisfy your soul. Uh, the great house is eventually going to need a lot of work. Uh, the car, the job, the girl, the boy, the whatever, ultimately, the only real fulfillment that you can find in life is when your relationship with God is in a great place. And, and I don't say that as religious cliche. I mean, I'm not just trying to, uh, to put kind of a religious saying on you. It is true. Everything else fades and tarnishes, but there's something about when your relationship with God is in a good, healthy place that uh, you can, one, rest in the boundary lines that he's drawn for you, but you can also rest in that, that, that lot in life that he's given to you. So I just want to take a walk through a couple of ideas in the, in the Bible that could help us escape from the comparison trap. This is the Apostle Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says, We're, we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. Could, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding, which is a nice way to say they're being pretty stupid. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which got apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come, even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. Paul talks about this idea about the measure of the sphere that's been apportioned to him. I taught this idea quite a few years ago, uh, and it's still kind of a guiding concept for me, uh, built out of this scripture, really, that there is a measure of sphere that God has apportioned to us. It, it first, the idea first came to me when I started to rethink leadership uh, because a lot of times leadership is put in a position where it's like a top-down. You're the leader and you give instruction. You're the leader and you give vision. 
But I really began to see that a lot of great leaders, leaders that I really respect, are more like the, the center part of a solar system. And around them is circling the people and the resources and all the things that are necessary. So rather than trying to control life from a top-down kind of approach, it is far superior to take care of myself, to take care of yourself, and to understand that there is a sphere. Jesus is the center of my life, but I am the center of my sphere. And to recognize this, in light of what I want to talk about today, every one of us has a sphere, a portion to us. And your sphere can be small, your sphere can grow, uh, your sphere can become a toy that your grandkids play with in your office, uh, which is what this thing does. But uh, somebody bought me this when I was teaching that years ago. And so the idea of you have a sphere portion to you. Some things are in my assignment sphere, but some things are not. And that's what Paul is addressing here, and, he, and, he's, and he's saying this, when you get the idea that grace has apportioned a specific sphere of life for you, then you start to understand that it's not wisdom for me to compare my assigned sphere to somebody else's assigned sphere. He, he's, he's recognizing that he has an assignment on his life and the other people, the other apostles or the other ministries, do they have their assignment from God and Paul says, I have my assignment from God. And Paul knew what his assignment from heaven was. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, On the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, to, to, to the uh, Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, to the Jews. For he, God, who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship, to the, to the circumcised, effectually worked for me and my apostleship to the Gentiles. Recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, were, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, which is way better than the left foot of fellowship, so that we might go to the Gentiles and they... To the circumcised. I think this is uh, an amazing concept to get clear in our thinking because Paul is saying, I know what my assignment is. I would have thought that Paul's assignment would be to go reach the Jews because he'd been raised under great Jewish teachers. Uh, he was well uh, known in that society and in that, in that culture. Peter was this kind of bigger-than-life, rambunctious, swallow-all-the-air-in-the-room kind of thing. But here is Paul recognizing God gave Peter this assignment. God gave me mine assignment. Peter has his grace to go to the Jews, 
and I have my grace to go to the Gentiles. And what I want to say to you and encourage you in today is to know that there is an assigned sphere of grace that God has put on your life. You, you have a calling. You have purpose. You have a reason to be alive, and we've got to get free. We can respect other people's assignments. We can maybe learn from other people's assignments. But to try to compare yourself to somebody else is always a losing proposition. Galatians 1 verse 15, uh, Paul is writing again. He says, when he, when God who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb. Wow. Pause for just a moment. At the moment of conception, a life begins. At the moment of conception, a destiny begins. An assignment begins. And the reason why we would see this over and over in the Bible, the reason why we would be not for abortion is because that's a life that is formed that God is going to use for his glory. And I, I would hope you get no judgment, no condemnation, even if you're in this room and you've had an abortion or you've been involved in a relationship where that's taken place, I just want to say God is a forgiver. God is a lover. God is a redeemer. God can put you back on track, no question. But when somebody says that they, they, you know, they just don't want to have judgment on that, the truth of the matter is that is a life with, with giftings, with a calling, with a grace, with an assignment. Who knows? how many babies that have been aborted in our country could have been the solution to some of the problems that we face in our country. So anyway, that's an aside. That's not in my notes. Uh, so when he would set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles that I, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. You know, some, he's, Paul is saying, I'm not, I didn't consult with anybody about my call because my calling is not formed by a committee. My calling is formed by God. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging rebellion or that you, and I think it's great to listen to godly men and women of, with wisdom to talk into your life. But he is saying, I, I, I had this, I was formed in my mom's womb. God knew what he wanted to do with me from the very moment I was conceived. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not after creating mega specialists, you know, like this is, this is my calling and I don't do anything else. But what I am saying is that you and I, we need to understand I've been given a sphere of grace. I've been given a, an assignment from God. As a Christian, we all share certain things that it, it doesn't, you're not a, it's not a specialist thing to pay tithe. 
that's what every Christian does or should do. But it may be that you have a gift of earning like tons of money and a gift of generosity and giving. Well, that's a gift that's beyond just the paying of tithe that everybody does. Every Christian is called to serve. Every Christian is called to pray. But some people have a gift for prayer that is like above and beyond the ordinary. Everybody is called to share their faith. Everybody is to, is to be looking for opportunities to help introduce our friends, our coworkers, our family to Jesus. But I do think understanding that there are assignments and there are spheres and there is grace that is given to us I've, in the past, I've, I've had the opportunity to go to 27 different nations, and on occasion, I would get invited to do an evangelistic crusade, and I would tell, you don't want me to do an evangelistic crusade. I love leading people to Jesus, but I am a teacher, and I'm not a preacher like for some kind of open-air crusade thing. I have a friend that uh, has been a missionary and goes into the the kind of the places nobody else has ever gone before. That's really what he loves to do. And I remember him, he was telling the story how, this is 20 years ago plus, he was going to China uh, for, to reach out, you know, to preach the gospel, and the bus he was on was packed out, and nobody was giving up a seat anywhere. And he's not a small boy by any stretch. He climbed up into the luggage rack and rode to China for hours. And he's like, he was like, you could tell, I love this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, good for you. I'd rather sit in the front of the plane, to be honest. And I appreciate the call that's on his life, but I, but I also know if we were to allow him to become the pastor of our church, he would kill the church in a minute because he does not have that grace. So, you know, maybe God has given you a grace to work with children. Maybe God would give you a grace and a heart to work with youth. Maybe God gives you musical talent. Maybe you, and, and can I just tell you, if God has not given you a talent to sing, he's probably not called you to be on the worship team. We love you, but there's other places to serve. We have, we, you know, we have people that are, they're just great at being ushers and, you know, hospitality, and they're friendly, and they're at the front door. Everybody's their friend. But now, who knows? Your grace could be, your assignment could be, your sphere could be working in business, and you're great at that, or teaching, which I think is a phenomenal calling, or craftsmanship, or maybe God would call you into politics or something. What I'm saying is you got to learn your sphere of grace and you got to flow in it. God made your life to count for something. Amen. God made your life to make a difference. No, nobody ha is given the grace to just sit on their butt. Did I just say that? Sorry. Second service, sorry. You got to go if you're, you know, when you see people that are in their grace, 
when they do what they do, it seems easy. It just comes easy. God wired you for your calling in life. Psalm 139 says this, verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You wove me, here we go again, in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know, that could sound like pretty braggadocious. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look out world, here I come. But I think a conviction that God wired you for something, that he's created the boundary lines for you, that he's given you a lot in life, a confidence in that and breaking that insecurity thing that keeps looking at other people and going, oh, I wish I had their calling, their life, their whatever. And so it's an understanding that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it. I know it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance before it all came out. And in your book, listen, were written all the days that were ordained for me. Now, I'm not necessarily a Calvinist, but I'm blown away by the idea that God put my life, God put your life together in, our, in your mother's womb and then ordained all the days, the story of your life. It's like he didn't make it happen, but he somehow is on top of it and knows it. It's all set up for you. And I, I want to say, uh, you guys are pulling something out of me that wasn't in first service. I want to say that so there are times where you question what is going on in your life. And I want to pull you back to understand this passage of Scripture. And I want to pull you back to understand this. God is in charge. And what, whatever has happened seemingly against you is not going to survive if you would take a stand on the Word of God and understand, I, I, I want all of you to feel like they, you know, we're singing to Jesus, no one but you. But I kind of want you to just look in the mirror and go, they ain't no one like you. The world needs you. You got something the world needs, and we need you to step into it. But all of us have been wired, been gifted, we've been equipped for our assignment, for our sphere. A big part of figuring out your calling in life is to locate your gifting. You're not, not going to be operating in a, in a sphere that is you don't fit into. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles, not even fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I think it's interesting that he feels bad and did his entire life coming against the church. He, knew, he knows that Jesus loves the church, and he loves the church. He says, 
by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me did not prove vain. I labored more than all of them, yet it wasn't me, but it was the grace of God within me. Wow. Every one of us, as Paul notices here, is given a grace lane. When we compare, comparison is arguing with the grace of God. Paul knew the grace that was on his life, and sometimes we can look at the grace that's on somebody else's life and say, ooh, I wish I had that. But you got to know that the grace that's on your life is plenty good enough for you to fulfill the reason God brought you into this planet. Paul knew his place. He was secure in it, and and he, he wasn't worried about being better or lesser than any other apostle because he knew grace had given him a place, a ministry, a purpose, a lane to run in. God had graced him, Paul, with a ministry to the Gentiles and Peter with a ministry to the, the circumcised. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 26, that means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. You, you were born an original. Don't die a copy. Amen. I wish I could take credit for that line. I got it somewhere, but I don't know. I don't remember where. But I'm going to claim it as my own. God did not have one of you. So that's why he created you. Because he wanted one of you. Your value as a person, your, your worth is not ever going to be found in comparison in comparing yourself to others. Actually, your value is going to be found in locating your uniqueness. Right? Comparison, comparison is the worst way to find yourself. It's your uniqueness that makes you special anyway. And, you know, when you compare, here's what happens. You either feel superior or inferior. And somebody got more muscles than you got. Somebody's got less muscles than you got. Neither feeling superior like you're better than somebody else, that's no good. But feeling inferior is just as bad. No one can be a better you than you. Right? And if you aren't you, all the way, fearfully, wonderfully made, confident in God's calling on your life, if you aren't you, we don't get you. Joyce Meyer said, God will help you be all you can be, but he will never let you succeed 
and be successful at becoming someone else. Hey, could I encourage you today? Have the courage to be yourself. You, God puts something wonderful into your life, and the world needs what you have to give. Galatians 6, 4 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Come on. Don't, don't com- you know, never mind. Don't compare. Don't compare yourself. I'm running out of time, and I got things I want to say. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your life. I think think self-perception, self-awareness is is a powerful idea. To, To figure, make a careful exploration of who you are. There's so many tests, there's too many tests. But there are tests to take where you can figure out, are you an introvert, an extrovert? Are you, you know, are you analytical? Are you a free spirit? You probably know some of that already. But the Bible is encouraging us here, figure yourself out. Figure your giftings out. You are wired for the work you're supposed to do. And I I hope, I, I want to say this, it's challenging for someone if they're not in a good place with this, But I I want to say this, work is not a job you do to get a paycheck. If you bring value, if you find your grace, find your gift, find your lane, and you bring value to the marketplace, resources come to your life. And don't just have a job to get a paycheck. Don't spend your whole life doing something you hate doing when God's gifted you to do something that you would love to be doing. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself. Don't puff yourself up. You ain't all that. Right? But also, don't tear yourself down. Because when you compare, you're better than somebody, but you're somebody else better than you. But... The unique combination of you, your personality, your talents, your experiences, your grace, your approach, nobody else has that unique setup that God has put together. When people were challenging John the Baptist, who had an assignment to point people to Jesus, and rough and tumble kind of guy, but all of a sudden Jesus shows up, and people are challenging him about everybody's going there to get baptized now. Everybody's going to that church now. And I, I think John the Baptist says something that could speak to all of us in John three twenty seven. He said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given him from heaven. Somebody else always has more popularity, more money, more success, more talent, more followers than you. But somebody else has less. 
And when you look at somebody else, I think, I know a lot of guys, a lot of ministries, and I promise you, some of them, I go, you got to be kidding. Because I know that they have what they have by the grace of God. And so do you. Expectations that are built on comparison are not your friend. If you have an expectation that you would fulfill somebody else's calling, that is never going to happen. You got to find your own grace lane, find your own sphere, find your own voice. One last scripture, and then I want to pray together. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, again out of the message. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Everybody just stare straight ahead. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. Hmm. God, not your marital status, defines your life. And we could slide in to that last phrase, God, not how much money you have, not how big your house is, not your, your work. In other words, they're all things that we kind of find ourselves on the Harrison scale. And if God knows how to get you where he wants you to be. So, thank you for four and a half of you that clapped on that. And you gotta, I'm here to encourage you, church, to embrace your assignment, to embrace your anointing, to embrace your sphere. You've accepted Jesus, now accept you. And I found that the only way to really do this is to put the whole weight of my life into the hands of a good God. And because there's there's too much stuff to try to figure out. Let God be God. I'm asking you, would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? I want to pray today. Father, I'm praying for every person in this room that has questioned their their worth, their value, what they have to bring to the table. They look across the aisle. They look across the street. They see things that they might want, that they wish they had. And I'm praying that today the lights are coming on and that we would rest in and and live in this fear that you've apportioned to us. Lord, I'm I'm praying for people that are disappointed and brokenhearted and struggling trying to find their place. God, that there will be a realization that God has put unique talents and giftings and personality and grace in every life. 
with your head bowed, your eyes still closed, just for a moment, or just a couple minutes left and we'll be done. If you're here today, maybe you've never surrendered the weight of your life into Jesus' hands. You've never accepted him as the Lord of your life. I would love to pray with you. Let's just start that journey. Maybe you're here today and you could find a day looking back where you used to be close to Jesus, closer than you are today. This would be a great day for you to come back home. This would be a great day for you to surrender again. Or maybe you just don't feel confident that your life is in God's hands. If you're in any one of those categories, you've never received Jesus as Lord, you've kind of fallen away from Jesus, or you just don't have a sense of confidence about where you stand, and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? And more important than me praying with you is really you acknowledging to heaven, acknowledging to God, I need you, I want you, I want my life in your hands. If that's you, you say, would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand real high all over the room? God bless you. Come on right here. God bless you over here. Thank you. Thanks so much, ma'am. Appreciate it. Come on, anybody else that just, you're in a moment. I'm not asking you. God bless you again. Right there, another one. Anybody else? that just wants to say yes to Jesus, just wants to surrender to Jesus today. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's all say this prayer together. It's for everybody who lifted their hand, but uh, I would love for us all to pray this. Everybody say out loud, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned, but I'm coming to the cross where you have paid the price for my total forgiveness. I receive you, your new beginning, your fresh start. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, let me just remind you, uh, let's pile on this uh, thing for the Sand Hill School, and let's bless those guys. Everybody stand with me on the count of three. We're going to shout hallelujah. Be dismissed. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. God bless you.